um, off of some of the, the concepts that we've been working on, and, and really it's been, uh, it's been a theme that has been woven in throughout this last year. The title is Changing or Change Your Life by Changing Your Mind. Change Your Life by Changing Your Mind. And uh, I know that uh, it is a difficult process to see change, but I think you will understand how scripturally um, it is the path that God has for us. Um, if we truly want to experience change, we have to start working with our minds. And you'll notice that you have a full sheet of paper, and those of you that have already looked ahead, you're thinking, well, pastor, you left off some information, because one point you say we're going to cover this, and then we, I know, it's because um, this is going to be a two-parter. So I'm going to leave you hanging at the end, and then we'll come back together next week to uh, bring a conclusion on it. There was just too much material to try to get through in one service, so... Um, Our opening passage is a familiar passage for us. It's Romans 12, 2, and it says, uh, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn uh, learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray. Father, open our minds. Help us to be receptive to your word that it would implant and bring about transformation and change. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Uh, some translations, which most of us have probably memorized this Romans 12 2 in, is, talks about the renewing of your mind. Um, the New Living Translation, uh, I really liked it. It says, by changing the way you think. Because sometimes when we think of uh, renewing our minds, uh, we get lost in what we're supposed to actually do. But by changing the way you think really gives us the ability to uh, uh, target the sentence just a little bit better. So let me sum up what I want to say today in one sentence. Now that doesn't mean you get to check out and leave, um, but... But it gives you just a real quick summary of where we're going through the rest of the the message. God is far more interested in changing your mind than in changing your circumstances. Okay? God is, is, is much more interested in changing your mind than changing your circumstances. Too many times we want God to change all the problems that are going on in our life. We want him to take away all of our problems, all of our pain, all our sorrow, all our suffering, all our sickness, all our sadness. I got you lots of fill-ins there. Isn't that great? <laughs> because then we think, God, if you, if you come in and you take care of all this stuff, my life will be so much better. But the problem is, If God were to come in and take care of all of these areas and we haven't changed how we're thinking yet, how long do you think it would take for us to get back to experiencing all of these things again? See, we are creatures of habit. How many of you are a creature of habit? I love my habits. Don't don't speak ill of them. I am, a ha- I am a habitual creature in lots of areas. I-, I don't need a lot of varieties in my food. Most days I can eat the same thing and be quite content. Um, my wife and I have talked about this with you all. I drive the same path to church. Now I'm coming from a different location, but I've already adopted the most efficient path. I- when, I'm- when I'm heading from A to B, I'm really not interested in the scenery. I want, I want to get to my destination because there's, there's a point. There's something that I want to accomplish, right? Now, there are days, my wife and I, this last week, last Thursday, or last Sunday after service, we drove to Chicago um, because we were in a church planters, church coaching um, assessment week. Um, um, not that my wife and I are planting a church, but we, they're asking us, because of our years in Open Bible, to be a coach. Um, for new church plants. 
Um, and so we said that we would at least go through the training process. So we were in Chicago from Monday through Thursday this week. So in my, and true to form for my wife, I had the, the most efficient route laid in for us to get to Chicago. And then we're, we're getting into Chicago, and I had, I had run in to use the restroom somewhere, and I come back out, and she said, how much do you love me? It's like, well, I love you. Uh, there is no issue there. So then we went on a new path. Driving through Chicago. And we, we were going, we went to the Navy shipyard, and we went to all these locations. And it was wonderful. We had lots of picture moments, and, um, and it was a great time. It just added an extra couple hours to our driving into Chicago. Um, and that's okay. I, I was not, there was nothing else we had to do on that Sunday. That was the perfect opportunity for me to experience my wife's giftedness in um, the uh, scenic route. Um, I didn't care about how soon we got there, and I enjoyed being with my wife. In those settings, those are the perfect opportunity for me to experience that. Now, let me just tell you, if we would have had a time frame that we had to be back by because of something that was going to go on that night, I would not have been open to the scenic route at all. Uh, even if it would have got us there right before the event started, my mind has to get into my room, get settled, and then get ready for the next event. That's my, that's my process. I, I work better that way. So we are all creatures of habits, and sometimes we need someone to shake up our habits. But the other way we do it is we have to change how we think. And so today, I'm going to present you with um, some different passages that will guide us and direct us in this process of changing how we think. Have you ever thought about this? Nothing different will happen in your life until you begin to change the way you think. Nothing different. You may want something different to happen, but if you don't change... Something in your life, you're going to continue to get the same result. It's just, that is the way life happens. In order for change to happen, you must change something. It doesn't have to be drastic changes all at once. But sometimes it may need to be depending on your character. Some of you need a drastic change for change to truly happen because the little things, you know it's just a little bit and you don't pay attention to it. Like some of you think, I'll just set my clock ahead five minutes so that way I make sure that I'm, you know, uh, you know ch- changing ha- what time I get to an event. But then you know you set your clock ahead and you delay just a little. The only way that really works is to have someone you don't know change your time for you. On all your devices, and really that doesn't work for us these days because most of our phones and everything automatically update with the time zones that we're in, and it really doesn't work efficiently that way. But you get the understanding that unless something is, some change is brought that we don't have control over, we're really not going to change easily. No transformation in our lives will take place. And the question is some process of change that happens in our brains so the question is this um, why must I manage my mind in order to experience change why must I manage how many of you have ever managed something Um, I've been in jobs where I've been over a group of people I've had to manage them and that's more of a challenge when you're managing people that report to you because not only are you trying to accomplish the task that all those people are coming together for, you also have to deal with all the different things that happen in their lives. And so when they call in and say, hey, I can't show up today, I'm sick, now you have to manage the situation in a different way because that person is no longer available. Or if you have a person who is unreliable at showing up, you always have that variable. It's like, am I going to have to fill in this position today? 
And you're already starting to think, well, I could do this and I could make the alterations necessary. So when we manage things, we're, we're trying to take into consideration all the variables. And, and when we have to manage our minds, we have to realize what is going on in our heads. How can we control all of our thoughts? So I want to give you three things, three reasons to manage your minds. Three reasons to manage your mind. You'll find lots of threes in our, in our series that we're going through. Um, I've tried to change them up so they're not all going to be one, two, three. Some of them may be A, B, C. Some of them may just be dots. I don't know what that is officially called. I really don't care. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to separate them for you so that you understand that they're different points, right? So three reasons to manage your mind. Number one, because my thoughts control my life. Your thoughts control your life. Every single action begins as a thought. If you don't think it, you don't do it. Now that's both good and bad in the process, okay? It's, if it's a good thought, then you're going to do good things, right? And if it's a bad thought, you're going to do bad things. Now, we all like to think, well, I'm not going to do bad things. Well, I wish that was that easy just to say I'm not going to do bad things. But let me just tell you, as soon as the thought enters, it's a battle. That's why you have to manage your mind. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped. Now, you'll see on some of your verses, I put the whole verse there because I'm going to give you some work to do along the way. So circle the word shaped in that verse. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Well, people might say, well, I was just thinking it. You don't realize how powerful that thought is until the moment that you act on it. (laughs) How many of you have ever thought, You've been sitting in your living room, you thought, oh man, I'd love to have a, you know, a snack right now. And how many of you get up and get that snack? Because the thought happened. The reality is, as soon as I start talking about food in here, some of you are thinking about lunch right now, and some of you have already checked out. You're done listening because you're ready to go eat. Now, if you get up and leave right now, I know you're acting on that thought. But here's one of the things that we need to understand about our thoughts. Sometimes our lives are shaped not just by our words, but by things that people said about us, and they found a place to take root in our minds. For instance, we've, you know, people have heard, you're worthless, you're no good, uh, you don't matter, you're ugly, you're uncoordinated. If you accepted any one of those, whether they be right or wrong, they have begun to shape your life in some fashion. There are, I have met people because of the things that their parents said about them in their growing up years that they were unable to move forward in, in their adult years to become anything that, that would be significant because they, they devalued themselves because of the words that were spoken over them as a child they allowed those words to take root in their life to shape their life you have to manage your mind you cannot allow random information from people who who don't know your full identity to take control of your life you have to manage All of the information coming in. That's why it is so valuable that you make sure the people that you're spending quality time with to speak into your life, you have to manage that situation. Because those words are so powerful. Next, because the mind is the battleground for sin. It's where you will win or lose the battle. Temptation actually starts in your mind with a thought. We think that temptation is is an outside source. We think when we look at, um, let's say, 
we'll use my situation. I'm walking through Kroger's and I see bags of potato chips. Now, is the potato chip a, a sin? No. Is eating a potato chip a sin? No. But in my mind, if I've made a decision that I don't want to eat potato chips and then I see them and I don't take control of those thoughts and I give in to them, see, I won't just eat a potato chip. I'll eat the bag of potato chips. It's, it's, it's an area uh, of weakness. So now, none of that was an outside source. It all started inside of me. It, it started in a thought. So we have to make sure that we are preparing ourselves for the battle at hand. How are we handling the temptations that are coming at us? See, all temptation happens in your mind, between your ears. When we talk about the sins of of pride or of lust or bitterness, hatred or anger or fear or resentment, Envy, worry, all of the things mentioned throughout the Word of God, all of these things start in your mind. And if you learn how to manage your mind, you've learned how to manage your life. It is where the battleground starts. Actually, Romans 7, 22 and 23 says, I I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. (laughs) That gets in the My new nature. But... Now, there's always a big but that gets in the way sometimes. But there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to, do God, I want to be God's servant. But instead, I find myself still enslaved to sin. I'm going to have you circle some words in this passage. Circle the word war, the word fight, the word slave, and the word enslaved. So what is Paul saying to us? He's saying that the battle is in your brain. It's one of the reasons why you get mentally fatigued in the midst of a challenging situation your brain is is constantly working 24 hours a day and so if you don't control your thought life you're you're going to sit your body is going to begin to feel the fatigue that happens because of all the randomness in your thoughts we need to take control Satan wants to control your mind. Do you know that? There is a constant um, process going on in life where the enemy is trying to manipulate you to control how you think and how you approach life. And it started back, when when I noticed a lot of it, started back, you know, in the earlier days when I started watching TV. There was a a thought process being woven through the the media that was controlling a thought process that is now an accepted mentality for today. See, the enemy is smart. He knows in order to change a society, you have to be subtle at the beginning in the process. Simple little encouragements in different areas that may be only what people like to call, it's just a white lie. Or it's just, it's, it's not that bad of a See, as soon as we start classifying our sin, as soon as we start grading it on a level of whether it's bad or, or really bad or not that bad, See, sin is sin. (laughs) And so as soon as we begin to classify it in an area, then we are giving in to the enemy to control our life in an area. 
So we have to be very careful about what we are allowing into our minds. They will shape who we become. And it may be five or ten years down the road, but the truth is those thoughts will shape you. They will develop you into an individual that you are becoming. And you may not see it right now, but that the enemy is okay with a slow change. His goal is is to win the full battle. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't even care about li- losing little battles along the way. He knows as soon as he can tempt you in an area, as soon as he can get you to give in in little areas in your life, he begins to break down the very foundation of your life. There is a battle for the way you think. Why? Because whatever gets your attention So each of us must learn to manage our minds because our thoughts control our lives, because our mind is the battleground for sin and temptation. And the final portion of this three right here is because it is the key to peace and happiness. See, if you you learn what we're going to talk about or what we're dealing with in life in these different areas, if you learn to take control of your thoughts, you begin to establish a path and a pattern that peace can be established in your mind. And when your mind is at peace, the tension begins to dissipate. Your your life comes to a place of of being conflict and chaos free of uh, of being at a place where you feel like you're secure see the enemy wants to break down our security whether you realize it or not each one of you are are searching for a level of of security in life as well as freedom I think those are two of the the prominent things in life that we are all searching for. Sometimes we can't put it into words, but we are looking for security and freedom. Security because we want to have this sense of feeling like I'm okay and that no one is threatening me, my, my safety, my peace. And freedom, we want the ability to have this this mindset of freedom that says, no one or nothing controls me. So those two areas of our life, we're all searching for whether we realize it or not. Paul writes so much on this topic of controlling your thought process. Romans 8, 6 says, "If, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. So we are looking for that that ability to find peace, happiness in our life. Joy, as some would put it. Now I believe there are three daily choices that you can bring for a healthy mind. Three daily things that you can do. Now, some people say that my thoughts are uncontrollable. Now, let me just tell you that that is a lie of the enemy. You actually were created with complete 100% control of your mind. God gave you that ability. Any thought that comes into your head, you have the ability to determine whether or not it gets to stay and take up a place of residency or leave. You get to take control. Do you realize that Satan cannot control your mind? He'd like to take control of it. He can plant thoughts there, but he cannot control your mind. Only you can control your thoughts. Do you realize that God is not going to take control of your minds and control them for you? How many of you have ever thought, God, can you just fix this? 
Now, what would happen if God approached life that way where he would just take control of us all? Why would we need free will? See, God wants us to choose to worship him. He wants it to be our choice. He's made us different for a reason. We have to choose to take control of our minds. If God is unwilling to take control of our minds, that should give us a good, you know, good indication that nothing out there has that ability. See, you don't need to pray if you're having a bad day or bad thoughts, if you're having scary thoughts, if you're having guilty thoughts, if you're having lonely thoughts, you're having depressed thoughts or discouraged thoughts. All of this just means you have to take control of your thoughts, whatever is going on that day. Now, I know it's work. I'm not telling you, I'm not trying to dismiss some of the real life issues you're going through, but you, you get to choose how long you dwell in those moments. God's just going to tell you when you come to Him in prayer, it is your mind, take control of it. You get to decide how long a thought stays in your head. So for me, if I start thinking, man, I'd like to eat a bag of potato chips, my next reaction is I go down and ride on my Peloton. Because that physical activity is going to fix the urge to eat a bag of potato chips. Or I get up and leave the house. You know, that's a perfectly good option some days. Sometimes we, in order to change the thought process, we have to change our location. When Scripture says it was not good for man to be alone, I just picture him just having all these potato chips around him, you know. No, that's, that's, that's just not, I'm just adding that in, you know. <laughs> if you want to have a healthy mind, you have to break free of all the patterns that you've allowed to become part of your life process. And that's by changing how you think. I have to feed my mind. I have, I have to free my mind and I have to focus my mind on the things that I, in the directions that I want to go. And that's really our next three pieces on it. I must feed my mind with truth. So if we're going to break a pattern, we have to feed our mind with truth. What did you fill in there, Elaine? You did feed. You did good. I knew you already have this filled out. I must feed my mind with truth. Good food means good calories going in, right? Bad calories mean bad food going in. See, we have to take control of our thought life. We must feed our mind. Now, we are blessed with having the Word of God in so many different avenues. So many different, you know, presentations. You know, you have the Word of God in the printed form. And, and um, I loved in my, you know, earlier years when my vision was much better, being able to carry my, my, my scriptures, you know, my, my leather-bound Thompson Chain Reference Bible with me everywhere I go because I could just read that. And then as my vision faded, I thought, I need something bigger. And so I'm thankful. <laughs> this is a lot of times my Bible. And I, I can make it like a 28 font, you know. And, and I'm not carrying around an encyclopedia set of just the Scriptures. But then it doesn't, it doesn't bring tension to my brain in trying to read. But also... I shared last week, and I know many of you have used like the Version app, and they've got the Blue Letter Bible. They've got all these different you know, versions of it available on an app form that you can listen to the Word of God. And there are many days when I'm driving, if, I'm, if I know that my life has a little bit of stuff that's going on and it's wanting to bring chaos, what I do is I start feeding myself the Word of God. And it is amazing how the stress and the tension of the day will begin to dissipate because I'm only allowing good things in. 
But I have to choose that. You know, my app does normally, unless I call a certain, you know, word, you know, my, app, my phone doesn't just open up and start talking to me. You know, if I were to say, you know, like, you know, hey, Siri in here, everybody's phones, you know, is there, yes? <laughs> I have to choose what goes in. And if you turn it over to the TV, other people are controlling what goes in. But the Word of God, when we pour the Word in, we're pouring in truth. Matthew 4.4 says, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every Word of God. That's the Scriptures. The Bible is our soul food. It's our owner's manual. It's, uh, it's what we need to feed our minds every day. When? Morning, noon, night. There are days that I just have the Word of God playing all night long. Because that's what I need. You have to decide what you need, but let me just say... David gives us some good indication throughout his life on how he, he tuned in to God. Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise early to cry for help. That's prayer. To put my hope in your words. That's a Bible study right there. He says, I start every morning crying out to God, listening to His Word. Do you realize that there are over... 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises. That's, that's some good news to listen to, right? Begin to learn and memorize God's Word. It's going to speak life and hope into you. Psalm 97, or verse, uh, Psalm 119.97 says, Lord, I, how I love Your Word, I think about it all day long. Circle all day long. In the previous verse, circle early. All day long. And then Psalm 167, or 167, sorry, says, Even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. So David is saying early in the morning, all day long, and all night long. The darkest part of the night. That's why David was called a man after God's own heart. Because his life was given to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, even in the midst of stressful situations. How many of you have had a stressful situation this week? This month, okay? I think David probably has you. But Psalm 119.95, he says, When wicked people hide to ambush and kill me. <laughs> Have any of you had anybody seeking to kill you this week? Hopefully not. David says, I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. What a, what a way to find or fight a battle is to focus on God's word in the midst of a difficult time. Number two, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. What did you fill in there, Elaine? Evil? Well, you're close. You're close. Destructive. Your mind needs to be liberated, delivered, released. You don't realize it, but you are a prisoner of your thoughts. And as a prisoner, does the prisoner get to choose what they get to do that day? No. Their thoughts can, the prisoner is controlled by the warden or the jailer or whoever is in charge, and your life will be controlled by your thoughts. You have to take control. God does not want you to walk around 
being a prisoner to destructive thought processes that were developed years ago from people that have no control or no true understanding of your value in the eyes of God. As I said earlier, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you believed it, it's affected your life. That's why you have to make sure you take control. If you have been told you were clumsy, maybe you weren't clumsy at all, but you believed it, and so then it begins to affect you, and you become clumsy all the time, and every time you run into something, I'm just clumsy. No, you believed a lie, and you began to act on it. We have to free our minds from destructive thoughts. It's not easy, but it is possible if we are willing to take control and manage how our minds work. All those good intentions about things you'd like to change in your life must be go, move beyond good intentions and must become part of your daily thought process. And you have to start talking to yourself. Do you realize that the Psalms were David talking to himself? He would tell himself to praise God in the midst of difficult times. When you read it, as David was writing this, these different things, he was telling himself to do certain things in the midst of difficult moments of his life. You have to fight these battles that are going on. There is an enemy, actually there are three enemies in your mind that are all battling for your brain to keep you from doing the things that, that really God has for you to do. Three different enemies here. I've labeled them A, B, C. If you look at that, I'm using all kinds of things on these outlines. And maybe even when we're done, it will even look like an actual outline. This just means next week I have to remember the numbering sequence. So the first enemy, and we've already addressed this a little bit earlier, is our old nature. Our old nature. In uh, Romans 7.23, he says, I see in my body, Paul's talking again, a principle at war with the law of my mind taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells inside of me. Paul had a military mind. Okay, you have to understand that. And so many times when you're reading his, his encouragement to us, there is, a, there is a militant mindset in his writings. He's using war language, as it might be. In, in our passage, you can circle the word war. You can circle the, the, the word captive. See, there is something going on inside of your mind wanting to take you captive. That's a battle. You have to engage in the battle because it is present whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Your old nature is fighting. Now, how many of you have grown up in the church where all you've known is the church? Those are beautiful moments. Um, now, that doesn't mean you are eliminated from an old nature, okay? <laughs> um, it just means you might have not have some of the challenges that others have, you know? But we always have to battle those things that want to take control of our own minds, our lives. Romans 8, 5, he says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So it gives us indication that if we want to have victory, we have to make sure who is ruling in our life. Are we allowing our sinful nature, our, our past... The desires that would not bring us to that place that we want to go? Or are we allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us? B, the second thing that's going to fight this is Satan himself. Or one of his minions. 
He wants control of your mind. He knows he can't do it, but he knows that he can plant enough thoughts there to make you feel like the grass isn't greener where you're at. We have to remember, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. If the enemy can make us forget that, then we will give in to the leanings, to the temptations, to the thoughts that he plants in our heads. He'll use other people. He'll use TV. He'll use, you know, um, you know billboards. He'll use adv- advertisements somewhere to lead you down a path of destruction. And you might be sitting there and all of a sudden you start dwelling on something. You think, where in the world did that come from? Well, the enemy plants a thought there because he knows that there is already inside of you a a desire that is present. He knows that you already have a desire present in some of those areas. And he will drop this brain bomb on you that will explode where you're at currently and, and start guiding you down a path that you don't want to go. You have to take control. You are in control. You have to make sure you are setting your mind free from all the things that want to control it. The sinful natures, the sinful things of your past, of your present. Let me just tell you something that you might find hard to believe. You don't have to believe everything you think. Not everything that you think is true. Okay? It's like in those early years, you know, you thought there was a Santa Claus or an Easter bunny. You don't have to believe those things when you realize, yeah, um, it's, it's easy enough to figure out, you know, there, there ain't no one coming down that chimney that I have. And, but you have to take control of those things. I know they're fun concepts to sometimes, you know, play with, but we have to realize that when we start, okay, (laughs) parents, listen to me. I've been a parent, am a parent, have grandkids now. But if, just, just picture this. If you get your kids to believe in certain concepts, and then they find out that it was not true, they said, Mom and dad have been lying to me all along. And if mom and dad were willing to lie about this, what else have they? And see, the enemy, you might think, oh, that'll never happen. But see, the enemy is going to plant those thoughts there. And a child's mind is so moldable. Now, don't be sending me nasty emails because of that. I'm just telling you the truth, and sometimes the truth hurts. You don't have to believe everything you think or that everything people tell you. Just because it's on the internet does not make it true. You guys have to understand, you just, man, if somebody says something, you take it as the truth. Let me just tell you, I'll tell you every Sunday morning, anything that I say, you need to make sure it lines up to the Word of God. And any person who says that they are speaking the Word of God, you need to make sure it aligns to the Word of God. You have to take control. Just because someone says it, and you know what they used to do to prophets whose words didn't come true? They stoned them. It stopped people from telling people that this was God's Word for them. Because <laughs> they, they actually question themselves and saying is God really saying this because they didn't want to get stoned we don't have that fear anymore Satan is constantly dropping thoughts in your head and you need to take control of those thoughts see the third enemy is the world's value system now I know you've all probably figured this out but You and the world are not on the same page. 
what they value, what they put priority on is not the same thing that you do. The commercials will definitely give us indication of that. You deserve a break today. What in the world makes you think you deserve anything? Here's, here's one of the best ones. Um, and if you're a Mountain Dew drinker, I'm sorry, but you know it's probably going to smack you right in the face there. Obey your thirst. Let me just tell you, there are times these bodies want things that they don't need. And you have to take control. It's not like we're some you know, out-of-control animal that just has to go and feed. We get to choose. Quit giving in to the value system of, of the world and the things that are promoted. Just do it. No, you need to actually not do it. Take control. 1 John 2.16 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In other words, that passion, that the passion, the possession, and the positions, the lust of the flesh, that's sex. The lust of the eyes, that's your salary. The pride of life, your success and status. That is what everybody is going for. Money, sex, and power. John says, or First John says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Don't let those things control you. The second, so how do we fight that battle? How do we deal with it? Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I know several of you are thinking, I know where pastor's going today. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. He's talking about the, uh, the mental battles that we're going through. He says, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Okay, circle strongholds there. We're going to spend a little bit there. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive, again, remember that he's constantly utilizing this, this war mentality. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he says, demolish strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that we believe. A stronghold is a lie that we believe. Anything in my life that was based off of a lie is a stronghold. And we have to constantly fight those things. That, that process where someone said you're clumsy and so you start believing that. You have to take control of that. And through a process of saying, listen, God has made me not clumsy, but stable and confident and secure, and you start speaking the Word of God, you're, you have the ability to rise above that labeling system that someone put on you to become who God's called you to be. See, a stronghold can be a, a lie that is spoken. It can be a value system that was imposed on you. It can be a philosophical system that says that the only thing that matters is pleasure. In, order, in other words, the whole goal to life is just to have fun. And if I believe that, then I have adopted a mindset that is not the whole goal to life. And it's become a stronghold. Some people say, well, I, I could never forgive them for what they did. Well, you've already created a stronghold in your life because Scripture talks about how we have the ability to forgive anyone and everyone. Jesus on the cross 
between two you know, thieves, looks out at the crowd, says, I, I forgive them, these people that had crucified him. I forgive them. If, if Jesus can set such a standard for us of forgiveness, can we say that I can work through a process of forgiveness in my life? for the people that have offended me, that have wronged me. We don't have to give something the opportunity to create a, st- a stronghold. Behind every sin is some lie that you are believing. And you may not realize that. That some of the areas that you are struggling in in your life right now are based upon a lie that you began to believe. Like, you know, life is all about pleasure, and pleasure will take care of all the problems in life. And so, then, anything that brings pleasure becomes okay. That's a lie. Jesus says, I am the truth, and the truth sets you free. So we have to give in to the things of God so that we can break down the things. And how do we do it? He says, first we take captive Every thought. We take captive every thought. Now how easy is that? (laughs) That is a lot of work. But you have to do it. You have control over it. Because then he says, and we make it obedient. So not only do we take the thought captive, we take that thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So when that thought is based on a lie, see now you can understand why I made this into two weeks. See, we take that thought, we take it captive, and now we're going to take that thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we're going to make it aligned to the things of God. Every thought that you have needs to come into the alignment with God's Word before it is permitted to have residency inside of you. The Greek here literally means to bring it into submission. That bring it, make it captive, or take it captive and make it obedient literally means that we are making it submit to us, to God's word. You have control. Don't let random thoughts control your life. The reason why most people are ineffective in life and actually fail at it and don't enjoy it is because they've not learned to fight the battle in their minds. We don't teach that in school. I'm not putting down our school systems. Okay? But our school systems don't teach you how to think. They teach you what to think. And and it's just the truth. Back in, you know, when you start looking back in the in the day and how they used to you know teach you to process life and you had to figure things out there was no calculators you know maybe some of you had an abacus you know (laughs) you had to learn (laughs) some of you don't even know what that is but you had to learn multiplication by this thing and you're moving all these beads around and and somehow it's like i just figured it out now you can take a calculator to every test you don't, even, you don't have to know how to add or subtract. You don't believe me? You watch a young person today, when I'm saying a young person, I'm talking like 20-somethings, and you watch them when the, cal- the cash register goes down and they have to count, figure things out in their head. They're like, sorry, we, I, I take exact cash only. <laughs> uh, and I'm not putting them down. They, have, they were sold into a system... Somebody made it. Somebody pointed this out the other day. The owner's manuals back in the '60s talked about how you could don't drink the the actual fluid that's in the battery. <laughs> I mean, does that make sense that we actually have to educate people that you're not supposed to eat the box? They they put that on some of it. Like really. <laughs> We have to make sure we're taking control of our minds. You're in control. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how temptation works.
That's next week, and so you'll definitely want to come back for that. And if I did it well, you should have all your blanks filled in. Look, at, that was a good, that's a good day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good day. We are not, Paul says we are not supposed to be ignorant of how, the, uh, how Satan works, how the enemy works. We are not supposed to be ignorant. That's why some of the things that I tell you, they're hard lessons. But I don't want you to be ignorant. My main responsibility before God is that I tell you the truth. It's not that you love me or like me. It's that you hear the truth. That's, that's really what it, it, it boils down to. Have you heard the truth? Have you had it presented in such a way that it will challenge you to live differently? So this week, your task, your responsibility. I told you last week I'm going to start giving you an assignment every single week because it's going to show me that you actually listened and you want to actually do what the Word says. So this week I want you to take control of your thoughts. I don't want you to let random things control you. And next week I want you to come back with an example. And some of you are saying, I'm not coming back next week. <laughs> Just throw that thought right out of your head right now. Take control of it. Because that's how you're going to win the battle. Is when you stand up and say, man, this was something I was struggling with. The enemy planted this thought. And I took control. And I made it obey the Word of God. And if you'll do that, you're going to start seeing your life begin to move in areas of victory that you'd never thought you could do because it's all going to have this this multiplication effect in your life so that's where we're going to end today sound good all right Kyle since you're standing I'll have you and Aubrey come down and receive our morning tithes and offering and we'll let Jerry help too we knew Aubrey would want to help you so Aubrey's there to twist the arms and stuff like that. You know. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us the ability to control our thoughts. We know that when we begin to change our minds, we will change our life. We'll begin to change the direction we're moving in. And so today we pray your blessing to go from here into the places we go throughout this week and begin to live differently this week. We pray your blessing on our offering. Multiply it. Thank you for it. In your name, amen. Some of you have saw that we got the new sign in. If you didn't see that when you drove in, you need to look a little closer when you're driving by the church. And so um, this week, hopefully, we'll get power run out to it. Um, we've got it out there to the you know, area. We just have to run the last bit of power to the uh, sign itself. So that's a goal for this week. We do have, se I know Miss Meredith has an announcement for us here too. We also have a, a work day coming up, maybe, you know, in the net, one of the next couple Saturdays. We've got holes that we have to get caulked and sealed before, um, you know, some colder weather comes and to keep the vermits, uh, you know, out of our, uh, you know, building and stuff like that. And so we've got a couple little projects. We're not, it's going to be, it's not going to be painting, but it's going to be maybe getting on a ladder and caulking and sealing and doing all those nests. We got some holes in the building. Um, also tomorrow morning, um, we have a group coming in installing the new doors for the uh, old side of the building. And so, um, by next week, all of, our, all of our doors will be finally up to code, praise God, and uh, uh, several other projects this week. So it's been a big year of projects. Some of these projects have been pushed off for years because we didn't have the funds uh, to get them done, and, and praise God, we've got the funds to get all these projects done, and, and uh, it's going to be a needed thing, and we'll pass the fire inspection, praise God. So um, today, we know at 4.30, you can be here for the men's event. Um, drafting starts 5 o'clock. Even if you're not in the draft, you can come, be part of it, and uh, eat food with us, and then play some, some good euchre and things like that. So we invite you out to come and be part of that. It's going to be a good time. Meredith. You cannot. You, by your words.
All righty. Thank you, Miss Meredith. So, yeah, you're, you're not going to be forgotten long, but uh, don't, don't, don't listen to any lies that you're not, you know, valuable. You are valuable. It's just the men's event tonight, so praise God. All right. Love on one another.